I'm Fathery. I'm Starfleet Boy. I'm Aaron. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 212th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And tonight we are talking about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3, Episode 8, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus, written by Ben Rogers, aka the voice of Lieutenant Commander Steve Stevens on Lower Decks. Not a great episode for Stevens. No. And uh, directed by Michael Mullen. So I think this is going to be a fun one to talk about, our Crisis Point sequel. It just struck me. I've I've read and I've typed the word paradoxus multiple times over the last week. That is the first time I think I've ever said that out loud. I was like, wait wait a minute. How, how do you say this? But uh, yeah, no, no one paradoxus, ever... Paradoxus, <laughs> No one ever says it in the episode, right? So I, I, that might be the first time I've heard it spoken. Did they not say it? I, don't, I can't remember the title. I don't think I so. watched it like five yeah. times and I can't remember. And I don't think my autocorrect actually changes it. That's the weird thing. It's like, oh, is that like an actual it'd be word? like, what's well, wrong? And I'm like, I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. Interesting. Let's do some research. <laughs> before before we get in, uh, into the weeds on that episode, I, I do want to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. And uh, first and foremost, just thank the Text Trek Patreon supporters. It really means a lot to us that people are willing to chip in each month. Uh, that includes not only you, Starfleet Boy, but also Cake is Eternal, Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, Quarks Bar, John Dawes, and our anonymous supporters. Thank you all so much to uh, celebrate and uh, give you something back. We're going to be doing our monthly Text Trek patreon watch along tomorrow from day of recording so if you're checking out the show live on friday it's going to be tomorrow on saturday october 15th at 3 30 p.m central we're going to be watching the voyager episode the thaw with the scary clown because it's uh it's halloween and it's time to watch <laughs> scary stuff so uh that'll be over in the text rec discord server where anyone anyone can come into the discord server we're trying to uh build up that community so uh if you would like to go hang out over there and interact with us there you are more than welcome to join and you know, if you're unable to uh help out as a patreon member but if you're still wanting to uh do something for us you can uh, hit that subscribe button on youtube and rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it we're actually trying to get to 1000 youtube subscribers before the end of the year i promise that i will sing uh, aaron's favorite song of all time uh faith of the heart <laughs> if, if we can get to 1000 subscribers you get to 1,500, I'll stop you from singing. No, <laughs> well, if people that are not a fan of that song, like myself, I, I honestly hate it. But if you're not a fan, you can just like not not click play on that whenever that's released. But all the people who want to torture me, 
uh, we'll, we'll be doing that, and and uh, we're we're getting awful I close. I want to so. torture you. <laughs> it's starting to look like it might actually happen. So um, I, I'm all the people. I'm all the people who want to torture you. This all his alt accounts. Keep subscribing. <laughs> all the bots just <laughs> you replicated. Summon the bots. So paradoxus is a real word. There is, ah. it's a heart thing, which is interesting. It's pulses paradoxus. Uh, basically, it can be thought of as the direct com- competition between the left and right side of the hearts for limited space. Fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, so you learn like, something new wow. every day. Yeah. I feel like maybe I've had part of this at some point <laughs> in my past with my old heart. That's weird. Doesn't really apply to the episode at all, though. That's <laughs> true. I also feel like text trek is where we learn all these things. Like I never learned these things anywhere. Did, else. did Mike McMahon and and Ben Rogers know the the what that meant when they I don't named know. The, I'm gonna have episode? to ask Mike. Like, I'll, I'll message him and ask him. I'm like, yeah. hey, did you know about this? I feel like he's gonna be like, of course I knew. Yeah. Like, <laughs> See how well it works with the theme. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and get into the episode. Uh, before we start sharing our thoughts on it, I'm gonna recap it for everyone by reading the official synopsis, and then I'll kind of expand on that with spoilers just to uh, refresh it for all of y'all. But the official synopsis reads. Boimler's holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original. They like the, the cryptic synopses with, with Lower Deck Season 3. They don't give away much, which is probably good. But uh, but yeah, this is our sequel, sequel to Crisis Point. If you recall, that was the Season 1 episode where Mariner took our Lower Deckers on a holodeck adventure to work out some of the issues that she was uh, struggling with. And so we, we kind of see Boimler go through a, a different crisis in this episode and uh kind of coincidentally when he's trying to have his uh, escapism adventure and and we see boimler doing some some deeper processing we're just each going to go ahead and give our opening statement just kind of our broad impression on the episode and then we'll get into more of the the nitty-gritty details but uh but first and foremost i just want to say that uh this was another big winner for me i i i didn't really get the episode the first time i watched it though i think it really benefits from rewatching. The first time I watched it, I, I spent like the first half of the episode very confused and like, oh, like, is, what's going on with Boimler and stuff? Uh, I was also very tired after a long week when I watched it. But then when I saw it again the second time and then the third time and then the fourth time, uh, I was really, really liking it more and more each time I was watching it. I, I think that it lived up to the, the original. I think this last streak of episodes from Reflections onward, they've all just been home runs for me. I, I've, I've been extraordinarily impressed with Lower Deck Season 3. I've, I've heard some people online saying that they're they're not liking it as much as Seasons 1 and 2, which I find peculiar because I've I, I, I've been consistently impressed uh, for... I think I was a little underwhelmed with Episode 4 where they're just journeying across the ship for the whole episode. But, and even that wasn't bad, but uh, otherwise, like, especially, you know, the last, uh, last several, I've, I've just really, really appreciated. There, there's a lot of, of layers and complexity to this, but it has, you know, kind of commentary on fandom. It has kind of commentary on, uh, you know, sometimes even like a bad movie or a bad piece of media might really speak to you or might be like what you needed to experience at the moment because of something else in, in life. And, you know, like those connections that we, that we find. And, and then, you know, on a larger scale, just the, uh, finding uh finding meaning finding that significance in in life and also you know dealing with the the random tragedies that go along with that so so yeah i was uh again impressed with lord x starfleet boy what did you think of this week's episode well i keep saying every week oh this is my new favorite episode of the season so i'm not gonna say it 
but it is. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have to agree. This season's filled with home runs. I uh, I think it's also, someone said it, uh, like Star Trek seems to get into its groove like at season three, right? So it's in that season three. I think it was Jill who said that season three sweet spot. And it really feels like they are doing that. Yeah, every episode's been a hit for me so far. Um, what I liked in particular about this episode was how it, you know, highlighted grief and also just... I would say that, you know, with the pandemic still here, rather, you know, it's not even behind us yet, but some people think it is. We're all dealing with it on a universal level as well as a very individual level. So I thought that was really, you know, poignant. Uh, This episode did get me teary eyed. And of course, that cameo uh, is just like, you know, super delightful. So, yeah, I really I think I think uh, I'm excited uh, uh, to get into the nitty gritty because there's only two episodes left, so we're on the home run here for the for the for the finale, and so I wonder what's gonna happen. I have no freaking idea, which is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike likes to save big stuff for the final two episodes. And considering how big they've gone, you know, this season so far, Rutherford's past visiting Deep Space Nine, that great yeah. peanut hamper adventure last week. What you know, whatever the hell your reaction to that was. A lot of people had strong reactions in both both positive and negative, but you know that was that was a big a big deal. Uh, and the, and then this here, you know, the sequel to Crisis Point. You know, so what are, what are they saving for the last two? It'll be fun, it'll be fun to fun to see that. I kind of feel like everything's going to collide somehow because you've got the, the the thing that ended on our, the episode here, and and just I think there's just a lot of threads that probably they'll pull together somehow. Yeah, I wondered about uh, William Boimler if he's <laughs> going to play into the finale or not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely have a lot, a lot of balls up in the air. You know that uh, Rutherford's, uh, you know, the secret conspiracy around what's going on with him, Peanut Hamper and Agamus. Uh, you know, they're they're probably probably plotting something evil. So I, I assume all this stuff isn't going to pay off in season four. But yeah, I mean, there's so much you got to think. At least one of those has got to pop up again in season three. <laughs> it's going to be Winger Bingston. They're going to reveal that he's he's like the uh, the big bad. Of he, the he is a triple threat after all. <laughs> Aaron, what what was your take on Paradoxus? Well, when I heard that there was going to be a Crisis Point too, that was like, okay, this is just automatically my favorite episode of the season. So, like, kind of like with the animated series, it's like yesteryear. Then you can just remove that, and then what is your actual favorite? Because it's like that's just obvious. You know? So, so yeah. So I was I was very excited for it. I'm always amazed at how much they can still find to pull out and make, not make fun of, but like, uh, you know. Do an homage to, or you know, just laugh with the audience. That there's, there's still all of that. Le- like you think that, like, okay, one or two shows, you would have used it all up. But the fact that that's that we still have all of that stuff for the movies is great. You know, just the stepping over the <laughs> the letterbox to get out of the the holodeck. And that's such a good gag. Like I love that. And you know, for me, it's like the the whole emotional, uh, the whole stuff with Boimler. I've I've recently gone through my own like uh, death. So, um, not my own death, but I was like, <laughs> was, I look very good for being dead. No, um, no, my, my, my business partner and best friend for 31 years, uh, recently passed. And so I think for me, it, it was, I, I didn't let myself get too much into that because I think if I did, I would have spiraled. So for me, it feel, I still feel like the emotional impact of the first one really hit because you don't expect it from a cartoon. Uh, it's just the whole, you know, what happened with Mariner and stuff. You're like, whoa. So I was expecting something out of this. So I think that's where maybe yeah. I wasn't quite as surprised. But no, I, I really loved it. I just, I, the humor was great. The story was great. They they managed to get a time travel movie in like as as a B plot. I mean, that's what's, that's what's crazy. 
so yeah yeah it, it is uh it is pretty impressive that they were able to find more uh more fun you know uh, let's do our big star trek movie again you know again, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of my, uh, I guess, concern the first time I was watching. I was like, this, you know, it does feel kind of familiar. I don't know if they should ever touch this again. Maybe this should be the end of the Vindictiverse. But then by the time I <laughs> got to the end of it and then, like, thought about it a little bit more and watched it a couple more times, I'm like, no, I want to see the Tindy movie. I want to see the Rutherford movie. Like, keep, Yeah, keep, agreed. I, I want one of these every – I know we didn't get one in season two, but going forward, I would love one every season. <laughs> Bill from Trek Geek says that he wants a spin-off series like Star Trek Chronogami. And it's just them going through time, like fixing things, and like so. It's a, it's the Starfleet time travel. It's called Twelve Monkeys. I, I'm, I'm convinced that, uh, that Mike McMahon was homaging a little bit uh, to Twelve Monkeys, but just a little bit. So yeah, it's like that would be fun, you know. Just the, uh, or they, he keeps talking about doing a real, you know, an actual movie. So like, you could bring the Vindictiveverse into a full, you know, on two hour big screen thing yeah that would be fantastic true. yeah i know uh titmouse has actually done some theatrical releases or there's like some like adult swim stuff they're working on now like some oh, cool some like old adult swim shows are getting mo- like metalocalypse and some other stuff so oh, it uh so i mean like yeah it, it's if people if people go to the box office and watch those things maybe paramount will be like oh yeah we need to we need to get them to do a movie for us I saw Tanya Newsom tweet that she wants a live action mm-hmm. version of a Lower Decks movie, so that's that's interesting too. We're gonna get kind of. A I kind of wanted to stay that, right? in, you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, we we're gonna get a preview. Yeah, it's true. Well, yeah, I'll hold out my opinion until we see that, but <laughs> I kind of want to. I kind I kind of want to have them always stay animated, but I like the well, idea. That's, of also, <laughs> I mean, in like eight months, that'll no longer be true. So. Yeah, it's and there's true. not many like when you think of cartoon shows like that that you could actually go live action. Where you're like, oh, I can see these right. people act- actually. It's true. Yeah, I mean, you can't like. There's, I'm trying to think of like the the Batman. Uh, what's his name? Ah, shoot, whoever does the voice of the original. Oh, Kevin Con-, Con Kevin Conroy Kevin- Conroy Conroy yeah Conway Con- yeah Conroy. I think it's Conroy. No, so, yeah. Oh, so he, no, it is um, Conway. Yeah, it's Conway. Oh, sorry. When he was in um the crisis on <laughs> another crisis, uh, mm-hmm. the CW. You know, but he played like the old broken Batman because there's no way he could have played, you know, regular Batman. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I think that would it'll be interesting to see uh, Strange New Worlds with the crossover. Does the Chronogami get them there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll talk about the Chronogami, but but yeah, let's yeah, just go ahead and get into the the episode breakdown, starting off with uh, in media res. Right, we open in the middle of well, not the middle, but during the the I guess the opening action sequence of Boimler's Starfleet movie with. The uh, Cerritos in battle with not a Valdor class Romulan ship. Everyone keeps calling it the Valdor from Nemesis. Like, no, it's not. Like, do a side by side. They're similar, but pretty different. Oh, when I finally saw it in the episode, they're noticeably different too. Like when you, you yeah. know, even well, even the silhouette. Trek core and Trek movie both didn't notice that they're different. Yeah, <laughs> they, they both called it a Valdor on on their uh, their reviews. But but yeah, we have kind of a movie type MacGuffin. The the Chronogami is like their red matter, proto matter, whatever. And uh, we have their their villains are like the Romulan Duras sisters, basically the uh, the <laughs> triplets, the, uh, Mel- the Mel- Melpinar, Melpinar. Yeah, triplets. that's what it was. Did anyone look up what that like if that has any meaning in Romulan? I, I think like, it's oh. made up like name. Oh, okay. <laughs> they have the boob windows though so gene gene would have approved you know people always talk about you know gene's vision or, or the you know the franchise the universe that he imagined like he would have gave two big thumbs up to this well yeah what do y'all think For with sure. uh 
I guess I guess we already saw this clip at Star Trek Day, but yeah, with the the return of the Sovereign class and the introduction of of Boimler as his uh, captain character, Bucephalus Stagger. Is that how you say that? Yeah, Bucephalus. Bucephalus, I think, okay. is Bucephalus. Which Starfleet boy you Which informed if... me that that yes. is the horse that Alexander the Great uh, rode in his uh, correct. Uh, and days. I forgot to mention last time, also Varen Karl Friedrich Hieronymus von Munchausen. Uh, he named his horse Bucephalus as well as an homage to Alexander the Great, which is Baron. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, Baron Munchausen, the the Terry Gilliam film. I haven't, but that's a hell of a name. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yes. When you have a name like that, you have to give your horse a name that that can you know keep up with you. Isn't that where else you get Munchauser syndrome from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly ah. what it is. So so uh, sorry, real quick aside, Father. I know you don't. <laughs> but this is a uh, Star Trek Munch- medical show. <laughs> yeah. Munchausen's by proxy is because of uh, this uh, German tale called Baron Munchausen. He was a propaganda tool for the German army, the Prussian army, uh, back in the day in like the 1500s or whatever. Whenever that, you know, back then, <laughs> maybe even earlier. But yeah, he was a propaganda tool. So uh, he became Munchausen's by proxy. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of education going on tonight on text track. <laughs> A lot of you're tapping into that part of my brain that actually has information. <laughs> you say that like it doesn't happen often. Like, is there is there not much in there to work with to tap into? I said it. <laughs> That's what I said, Father. Now the horsey will bite you. <laughs> the horsey will bite you now. <laughs> uh, you're right. We saw this clip before, but like I already, I immediately started getting excited uh, for everything and. Uh, that I knew was coming and, you know, just the music and like Captain Dagger. And I like these uniform variant. There's just a lot yeah. here that's like really delightful. And of course, seeing uh, the Sovereign cra- class so beautifully, like, you know, animated and, and doing its thing <laughs> was great. We didn't see much of the Sovereign in action because like they never showed it on, on DS9 or Voyager because, you know, they wanted they right. wanted that to be like their movie ship. You know, they right. wanted that to be the Enterprise. So we only got it in... First contact, insurrection, and nemesis, and then t- a very little tiny glimpse at a at a sovereign in, in Picard season two a couple of times. But yeah, like other than that, like it really hasn't. We haven't had like a new shot of the nemesis like in action and all of her. I'm I'm sorry of the, of the sovereign since uh, <laughs> nemesis in two thousand two. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's been twenty years. Uh, I think wow. it, I think Picard season two had like twelve of them in one scene, and then there were like five in another. I don't know, but like <laughs> but they were tiny. They were like itty bitty. Yeah, they're like spot, little t- just like the first scene. <laughs> I love Mariner but, uh, in the background here, just being completely bored. <laughs> yeah, she she was trying to to get into it. Uh, you know, she's trying to be like the good friend, going along with the captain and everything. And then and when her hollow mom, when the hologram yes. Captain Freeman is just like giving us exposition, you know, explaining the the MacGuffin, the, the chronogami. She's just like, yeah, yeah, we get it. it- yeah, yeah, yeah. Japanese art paper holding. <laughs> <laughs> I also like when uh, when she's like, you're the captain, I guess. <laughs> like, Rebecca so Rebecca Doodle like... is the name of her character, <laughs> yeah, the first officer. Right. They, all have, they all have like weird names. You know, uh, Silvo <laughs> Toussaint is the Cajun engineer. <laughs> I can do the accent. No, I'm just going to play it straight. <laughs> yeah, Cajun accent is really hard to do. It is hard. Watch the old X-Men cartoons and you will know. <laughs> what was Tendi's character? She had a cool Mina name. Mina Vesper, uh... the science officer. Mina Vesper, yeah. yeah. Science cool officer turned captain. acting captain. 
Yeah. But you'll think when when Boimler stepped out, he's like, "Oh, Ransom needs me. I'll be right back. I'll I'll skip you out of the the opening credits." And then like when he when he comes back, he's a little different. But I didn't notice the first time. I don't I don't know how did how did that land with y'all? I noticed the difference, but to me, it felt like oh, maybe he just got like bad news, like a review, or he has to you know something. I didn't think it was gonna be what it was, uh, but I did notice that because like. He what like you do see the sad eyes and you you do hear him be like oh yeah it's no longer he says something about this is no longer important or something and upon second viewing there's so much more right. though like there's like a, a lot more there and I didn't notice any of that on the first yeah view. it hit me hard the second time I watched this I was like oh oh shit that's when he learned that's when Ransom told him yeah and also when he's watching the tape the <laughs> I call them tapes <laughs> but he he comments on something about the the fragility of life or meaningless and then and yeah and and, and Mariner's like oh wow someone that's when she yeah. referenced w- uh, B- uh, Winger Bixton that's right it's like jeez <laughs> someone took a Winger Bixton after class <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, the first time I saw it, in my head, I thought, oh, they're all going to get separated or something like that. Like, mm. he's just found out that this is going to be the last time that they all have fun together because they're... I, I took it too literally that he meant when he was just saying, oh, it's about, you know, uh, what is it, duty assignments or whatever. Um, yeah. And then I was just like, oh, oh yeah. okay. So I knew something had happened, but I, I completely wrote a different story in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really sure. And then, you know, throughout this, even when we actually find out from ransom later when he's meeting with mariner uh what had gone on i even at that point i didn't connect it like oh that's from like that bad news he got when he stepped out for a second so it definitely definitely hit me a lot harder on on rewatch but it reminded me of a similar experience i had when you know i i got the i got the news that um my mom was in the hospital she'd been sick with cancer for a while but when she finally did pass away i was actually with uh, Antonia, my my partner uh, that uh, you know I've lived with for several years, but this was when we we were just friends. It's weird that she was the person with me, and like when I saw that, I I didn't want to like say anything in front of her and like you know make her upset. Like I didn't like know her that well back then to be like, oh my god, my mom just died and everything. So like I kind of just had to keep it to myself for a little bit and then like go home. And then like later, like I you know told her like you know what had happened, but. Um, yeah, it definitely. Like it reminded me of that. It's like, um, and I'm I'm someone who, I'm very, I'm real chatty. I'm real like expressive. I like I, I I'm an open book. I always like talk about like what I'm feeling, what I what I have going on in my head. Probably too much more than I should. So like whenever I have to like okay, rein it in and keep something to myself. It, like it makes me feel like extraordinarily uncomfortable. So on top of like something big like that but yeah definitely um it, it, you know the second time i watched this i definitely uh, i guess connected to boimler more as he's uh you know processing that while ha- having to not want to talk about it in front of his friends until he's got it you know figured out himself it's also a little odd because it's it's his duplicate which he saw for what all of four seconds it seems like yeah uh it's just knowing i guess that there's somebody out there that it could be you it's almost more that than, than right. it was this specific. Or that it would have been him. If he hadn't yeah. gotten right. duplicated, exactly. he still would have yeah. been on the Titan. He even says that in the Briggs scene, like, oh, there's an, he's an exact copy of me with cooler quarters. And so, <laughs> so something to that effect, yeah. you know, like, but uh, is he an exact copy is something? Well, I guess we'll find out. So. <laughs> Although that Boimler, uh, William did question the uh, badge similar to how like uh, Brad would. I feel so. like we're getting set up for like a double agent kind of thing or something. Something, yeah. Maybe he'll run into Thomas Riker. <laughs> like they'll have the the. I wonder if they'll canonize those Bashir stories, which I think Fathery doesn't like. Someone doesn't. I don't know. Someone told me they don't like those stories, but. But the Bashir stories that don't they don't they go off to a like section thirty one thing and 
if that's possible, could we get a follow up to Malcolm? I, Reed, I don't. Maybe? I don't think they're going to canonize speculate. the uh, the Star Trek novels, but uh, they they might pull some stuff from. Them. Sorry, Rat bring stuff into which canon. they've already that's they've already meant. pulled some stuff from those <laughs> books control and discovery oh, yeah, lots. That, that came from yeah, yeah. one of david max novels i think yeah. it was actually called right. control like the, the novel was called control right right exactly oh is that the one that bashir's in are those yes, the ones yeah. yes yeah. okay great okay great yeah so I think he ends up on like ill or i can't remember something like he's he's on i don't know i can't remember exactly what but there was something to do with uh garrick and i think dr um Pulaski, like one of the books. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where she was. Oh, yeah. This could open doors to like really funny stuff with the Obsidian Order and the Tao Shiar. And, like, it be funny? I don't isn't... know if Lower Decks. Like, <laughs> well, well it could the, be because it could be because like. Tao Shiar cut ups. <laughs> yeah. But around this time, the Jad Vash are infiltrating too. Mm. So I don't know. Well, they have Mike, like, you know, Mike like McMahon's possibly. talked about that. He says he never wants Lower Decks to overlap with Picard and because he doesn't want to deal with the Starfleet that's been like ah. Romulan infiltrated and does the, like the synth ban and all of that stuff. So. Okay. That's okay. Gotcha. That's probably why we're still in 2381 in season three of Lower Decks. It's not, it's not the next year, even though I think Memory Alpha was saying that we're there in 82 right now. But if you look at the start, it's 81. They're, not, they're, they're still 81. Yeah. So he doesn't, he doesn't want to get into like 86, I think is the year where Mars burns. Yeah. While we're on that subject though, over in Prodigy Town, Aaron Walkie <laughs> has said the opposite. He's teased like, oh yeah, like, Maybe we'll see some of those events from our characters' perspectives. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be really interesting. I love that. That's cool. <laughs> a new Prodigy game just came out today, too. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, looking forward to playing that. So I have a very busy weekend, but I don't know when I'm going to get around to it. But I was thinking of Prodigy when watching the the opening credit sequence of this episode because there's a a rarity for Star Trek. There's a a fart joke with uh, Rutherford making a fart noise when the uh, the screen went dark it's a raspberry father it's a raspberry he should have done it when the europa was doing the gas expulsion because that's what i thought it was like they did and it just wasn't quite timed right (laughs) fart jokes have existed in trek since 1989 in star trek 5 you know beans and whiskey an explosive combination oh yeah and then then they left that subject alone until jankum pog came along in prodigy I was thinking, like, when was the last time we had a fart joke in, in Star Trek? And it was like, Jankum. Did Jankum make a joke? Yeah, it was when, uh, or did he? Janeway gives them tricorders for the first time and explains, like, this is a tricorder. You can scan stuff. And then Zero is like, oh, I'm detecting some Gus. And then Jankum Pog is like, <laughs> yep, that'd be me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what, what do y'all think of the Europa lab and the. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like if you took like Star Trek Into Darkness, Carol Marcus, uh, and put her in Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, Carol Marcus's wardrobe. Like they wanted like the, uh, the like Hollywood supermodel type, gorgeous, sexy babe, which Boimler shows very little interest in because you know he's obviously distracted. It's like, oh yeah, Captain Dagger's love life doesn't matter now. But we we got confirmation in this episode that Boimler is totally not interested because he's career like in his career mind or whatever like he's focused on the mission because when everything goes to shit he goes i could have married leanne like yeah. so he actually does think about he but he's so focused and you know on the mission that he has no time for it so he's actually being sincere well, when he says he, that which i really love he programmed her you know and he, he clearly like wanted her to he wanted to, <laughs> to romance his, her he must like yeah, for, or at least for captain dagger he had, yeah, he had a blonde true. girlfriend in season one and cupid's errand arrow oh that's right yeah. that's right Oh, she's kind of a... similar. Yeah. 
I thought it was really interesting on, on our Twitter space discussion last night. Uh, someone brought up that uh, she also kind of not only does she touch on Carol Marcus, but she also touches on like kind of the more sexualized Carol Marcus right. that we got in the Kelvin Alice films. Eve's version of the character version of it. Yeah, exactly. So that's really interesting uh, that the show there's so many layers but i guess there's so many layers to star trek so it makes sense but it, it, it's really nice how he like just, everything feels so balanced and coalesced really nicely you know i i don't know i uh, <laughs> i can't find many flaws i also love that, that we have the rounded kind of screen here and then when you push in it's like completely different just like in the in the movie yeah it's like they got the continuity error in here which is great (laughs) they even do like the animated what i always assumed was like animated like consoles and levers and stuff that's supposed to be on the the outside of the monitor but you know you can tell like okay well that clearly isn't practical like someone someone painted that but yeah it, it was like that exact same effect i was like oh my god that is so perfect like that that attention to detail that's where you, if you watch with somebody who's not a big as, as big a Star Trek fan as you might be, that you start laughing and they're like, what is funny about that? Yeah, like, they're just it like, must be confusing. You don't know. Just, ah. It's a teaching opportunity. Yeah, exactly. It's a teaching opportunity. But but did you guys like, uh, I love that the past was represented by the, the 1701 yes. Connie and, and the future was represented by the D, the and Galaxy It was, the, old, it was like the Matt Jeffries design. It wasn't, that's uh, right. it wasn't the... Yeah. Uh, the refed it, oh yeah yeah there wasn't right. strange new worlds disco prize the, it was the uh the old school connie the so. old, old school one. Yeah. i also love that i mean this thing about the world lines that prevent you know time from folding in on itself or whatever and all that like i know it was all techno babble and it doesn't make any sense but that sounds like it should just be a thing that they use in, in like star trek to explain some of this timey wimey stuff yeah yeah it's, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of interesting like trying to figure out what is fiction and what is reality within within yeah. this episode this is the you know the outdated the regular station from you know yeah decades ago in their yeah. world it's like i wonder if it's sort of like a 1960s James Bond kind of background where you do something oh. where you you make it kind of a, of a period piece. I'm almost wondering if that's what this is kind of supposed to be in some ways. Right, right. Or like, I don't know, if you're going to like some cool location, like you're going to a bar, it might be cooler if it looked like a 1920s speakeasy than if it looks like just right. like your typical like modern day bar or something. Yeah. Because we've seen updated interiors for this configuration of station on TNG and probably DS9 later as had, well. Starbase well, 355 yeah. or wherever. When they get kicked yeah. out of the station by the Dominion, wherever they're hanging out with right. Admiral Ross, uh, was that same same design? You're like the chronogami. Like, is there any like actual, like, I say actual, any like real Star Trek <laughs> science, which I know is not, not real, but like, or is that all just like made up? Uh, but yeah, it spoofs, you know, how like, uh, something like red matter, for example, is what what yeah. comes to right. mind. The Wallerium detronium that's powering the chronogasmic <laughs> yeah, chronogasmic matrix. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to use that many made up words in the same yeah. sentence. But but I was really glad to see that they used the word chrono instead of temporal or something. You know, like chrono is a nice alternate option for time travel stuff that I that I don't hear used often. It, I used to listen to this like radio program back in the day in the '90s or early 2000s. Uh, I think it was Art, Art Bell. Bell. I knew you were going to say yes, that. Yes, and he know. talked about the Chronovisor. Do you remember the Chronovisor? That was the Chrono. Is not that what like the, the 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 Vatican has or something like that? Supposed <laughs> yes, to? So yes. They, could go, they could see back in time. Like, oh, okay. That was the that, and he used to like rove around. Anyways, but yeah, that that that's what Chrono or the Chronogami yeah, device reminded totally. me. Of. Did, did you get like a cool little watch you can wear on your wrist and use it to to follow people through time? That reminded me of Supergirl. 
actually, because she had the, <laughs> the the watch that was looking for her power source in that movie in the 1984. Oh yeah, in the 84 movie with Helen yeah, Slater. The the, uh, the oh, what was it called? The whatever something to Graham. It, it basically had a, a almost like an origami kind of name too. Yeah. Uh, so. I have a I have a sweet spot in my heart for that movie because I I liked it as a kid and I had such a, a huge crush on her and I actually think they do like the flying effects really good in that movie and uh, whatever you can say about the rest of the stories like man after after they did three Superman movies they really knew how to like nail the Omega Hedron that's what it was. Omega Hedron that's yeah that yeah. sounds right I have to say the chronogami effect itself was awesome I love the way it, like yeah the thresh. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> the threshold. That's awesome. But yeah, it was pretty. It, that was pretty rad. And uh, you know, well, we'll we'll talk about it. But the adventure just gets yeah. better and better. It's, it's a really it's a really fun yeah, ride. They, when they they get the news, they have to go to Tadashore Nine. Which, uh, <laughs> fun oh, how that question, planet so, got its name. Oh. Yeah, and and so is that how he? Because I've been saying Tadashiore, and I don't know why. But is it Tadashiore? <laughs> is it Tadashiore? I think okay, Fred Tadashiore says it like Tadashiore, yes. but the way that you oh my say gosh. it might actually be more accurate to like the actual like Italian pronunciation. You probably take whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what he says, but I'm glad because I don't think I've ever heard him say it. So Tadashiore, which is a cool sounding name and it might be actually proper in italy as well i have no uh i have no uh italian expertise i just said tattoschiore because it looked like it <laughs> so that's how it looked like to me but now that i know i'm glad because i'm glad they did that and it was a really great fake it was a really great device to fake you out it was really <laughs> like to, like for later to make you go wait are the planets names important <laughs> <laughs> Well, we know that one that the one afterwards has a similar name to somebody yeah. that we know. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> weird that they did that in the same episode and only did two of them. Yeah. You would think they would, uh, I don't know, maybe do more than two or save only one for this episode and one for later. There was another planet, and I wasn't there another planet named in this episode? I felt like there was one more, but I can't remember. Yeah, it wasn't the one I that just was don't, the uh, Shatari, whatever. Basically, the, no, oh. it was, it, it was uh, Tadashur, and then there was another one, but maybe... Darn it. Well, there I'll was, have to go back. There and... was uh, Europa. There was the uh, Shatnari. Is the, yeah, that's the one we get to at the right. end. And then there is the uh, Starfleet Aquatic Research Center. But we didn't get the name oh, of the planet. Right. It just said like. Uh, oh, maybe okay. But there was another at, planet on uh, screen, Earth I guess. because yeah, okay. they go to Sydney. But yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, it's sad. You know, when Boimler's is kind of like going through the motions, he's like, okay, uh, well, this is the part where we go to Tadashore Nine. So let's go to Tadashore Nine. I don't care about the romantic subplot and all of that like it's, it's sad you know it's like he's not enjoying himself but you know, first time watching you don't know why you even feel bad for carol marcus or whatever it's like she's just like it's like no thank you it's like yeah there's like, <laughs> it's like I, I don't i don't know what to do and i love mariner's response like yeah neither do i know uh yeah, lady, neither, sorry, lady. bye, <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> she's just standing there and it gets smaller she's in the room. that was a, that was a laugh out loud moment for me the uh the, me either, lady. Bye. Like, yeah. like that awkward departure. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but I gotta go. It's just her like improv background <laughs> or something. Just gives that. That is just a, the perfect punch. It was really, it was great. But what was also <laughs> funny is when they meet all the uh, the people on the street, all of the like weird religious people. Uh, oh it's, yeah. It's more that season three lower decks referencing its own history as much as it mm-hmm. references other parts of Star Trek. Because they they bring back both Manuki and the koala yeah and they have they now have history which is great too yeah. you know they have two seasons worth and now we're gonna have three seasons well even worth, this so episode cool. is a history because yeah. it's from the first crisis 
Yeah. Right, right. I love that. It's like, we're all living in a simulation. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we're <laughs> all holograms living in a simulation. It's like, you're actually right. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, it's really cool. Uh, this is, you know, something that I love. You know, the holodeck is kind of an interesting place because if you program it too well, it can lead to some weird shit like Moriarty, you know? <laughs> like, so I thought it was interesting that, like, it adapted this whole story because it, like tuned into something Boimler was saying and because he wasn't interested in going on the main adventure. And like, you know, I thought that was really cool. And I, I guess just from like a in universe, how technology mm-hmm. works stuff. Uh, I love trying to figure that stuff out or speculate about it. Yeah. The, the adaptive programming is what Boimler calls it, but it's, it's also something right. when Gene Roddenberry invented the, the idea for, or at least the holodeck and star Trek and how he wanted it to work with, you know, the next generation, he, was planning on using it as something where it would be great for getting in the characters' heads and, like, exploring, like, what's going on in their psyche. We see a little bit of that and like, we'll always have Paris where, like, Picard is, like, sad about, you know, he's going to meet his, his ex-girlfriend. So, like, he has, like, a recreation of, of uh, what would have been their, their date on the holodeck and stuff like that. Like, the, Roddenberry is wanting to, you know, do those types of explorations with it. They, they didn't really get into that too much, but Lower Decks is kind of doing the Roddenberry thing with, with the holodeck, or at least, like, what, what he had at one point planned on doing with right. the Crisis Point And episodes. they're living up to their kind of, I feel like in season one, before it aired, Mike McMahon said, we're going to use the holodeck a lot, like, you know, but not how you thought, how you think or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? And I think they're delivering on that promise. I've enjoyed, I mean, these are like fresh holodeck yeah. things that they're Which doing. Which is nice. You know, and and, I, I know yeah. like by the time Voyager was doing Fairhaven, I was just kind of like, oh my God, the holodeck breaks again. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, can they not, can we just stop doing holodeck stories? And then like with Enterprise, it was like very refreshing. Like the, the writers and producers were talking about like, we're actually not going to have holodecks. And we're not going to have the prime directive. Right. And then within season one, they did both a holo, uh, holodeck story and a prime directive story. I was like, <laughs> you liars. <laughs> but Lower Decks also... <laughs> Lower Decks uses the holodeck like no other show can because of the animation yes. format. You could go like on these. This felt big, you know, like as you said, yeah. there's so, so many time for periods and places that or they even go in, like, in this adventure. Season two, when Tindy is trying to get everyone's like medical scans done for Dr. Tiana, and she finds, I think it was, was it Chief Lundy was actually surfing on the holodeck and she like goes in there with like a hang glider to like chase him down and and scan him right yeah they would never do that would be such an expensive special effect to do in live action they would never do that for like a what's on screen for just a few seconds (laughs) exactly so but with a holodeck those types of you know casual casual for the characters for us to be kind of like a big you know change in location or whatever like yeah of course like you would see stuff like that used frequently what I really like in, in this episode, too, is that you see that the holodeck isn't 100% perfect magic. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's like, oh, this story isn't as great as you would hope that the holodeck yeah. would create. Or there's the buffer. It's like, the story is coming, and I'll tell you in a moment. And oh, you're, you're the like, back, <laughs> you want to see my backstory? backstory? And then he, <laughs> like, that's, that's what literal. triggers it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so good. I was like, I was like laughing and almost vomiting at the same time. It was great. But what is, Thanks, Mike McGrath. The, there's a science fiction story, and I can't remember what it is. Where it's like, there's a guy who has tattoos all over, and it tells a story. And oh, the Illustrated Man. The, yes, yes. That's what it reminded yes, me yes, of. Yes, yes, Surprised nobody's actually mentioned that. That's awesome. Yes, I had forgotten about that. Brilliant. Yes. Well, uh, before we get to the uh, illustor and his backstory <laughs> and, and knickknack okay, and knapsack <laughs> yeah uh, let, let's talk about the uh the tindy and rutherford story which i guess would actually be like the a story of of the movie uh that they're in the, right. the b story of the episode but the all the the time jumping oh whoa it did another meta thing it created an upper decker lower decker within a situation within the hollow as well what <laughs> i didn't catch that one we get the uh, the grav cycle chase. It was uh, definitely reminding me of Star Trek Nemesis, the uh, the the dune buggy chase in the desert that Patrick Stewart like really wanted. <laughs> I heard somebody was like, "Oh, it's the the grav cycles from uh, the Kelvin universe." I'm like, they don't really look that way. No. I like I, I like that these actually look like they have the back of the nacelle from the E. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like that idea of like your sh- your shuttlecraft nacelles match your yeah. ship. It's like the same with your grav cycles, yeah. I guess. Were there grav cycles? Wait. In um in the 2009, it was it, the very the, beginning where the, the, the police came and and got Kirk after he oh, stole the car. Oh, hundred percent. Okay, okay. But they didn't, they didn't really yeah. look like this. They didn't look like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was like yeah. a, it was a flying motorcycle. I mean, like it looks similar, but yeah. I, I feel like this looks more like the one we saw uh, that teaser image uh, before the trip, like the ones we're seeing in Discovery. Maybe no, no. This Those is its own too. thing. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like him. <laughs> I like the Tindy's action hero move. I also love, I love uh, Boimler being like, oh, that sequence probably wouldn't be that fun anyways. Uh, smash cut to Rutherford. <laughs> this is so fucking fun! <laughs> but they, uh, they, they follow the Romulans through the threshold. We're Starfleet! <laughs> that, was really, that was a little cheesy. <laughs> like it was, but like it was, yeah, they're, they're, it being, fits. they're acting in a, in a movie. You know, they're play acting in a movie. Well, so. it, did you notice that they, like, this is a Starfleet movie, but they're just, they're, they're using that instead of Star Trek. Right. Star and, Trek, yeah, yeah. It's like, it was a great substitute. I'm like, okay, it's a, it's a Star Trek movie. Yeah, the way that they talk about it is like <laughs> the way we would talk about a Star Trek movie. Yeah. Um, Lower Decks takes us to the Lost Era, kind of. People always talk about they want something in that Lost Era between Star Trek VI and Encounter at Farpoint. There's like a 70-year gap where we don't see much of anything. Uh, But here we we visit 2341, the the Great Sulian Algae Crisis. I'm wondering, like, did this algae crisis really happen, or is it made up for the movie? Yes. No, it happened. It had to have happened. (laughs) Boimler would not have made it... Tendy seemed to know all about it. She was like, "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> and the and the uh, Freeman, the Captain Freeman explanation, like you all remember from your history book or something like that. Every kid is taught in in history. Yeah, I feel like you learn about this in elementary school. Uh, <laughs> like, like it's one of those cute adventures of the founding of the Federation. You know, like important moments in the Federation al- algae history. crisis. <laughs> Yeah, I'm waiting for the Dayton Andrews. Ward book about the algae crisis. <laughs> I'm so excited! I want it. Yeah, I'm, I want I'm it. sure he's got a pitch for it ready to go. <laughs> Plus, how adorable is that gigantic, you know, Ambassador Koro? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, the giant like... octopus ambassador. <laughs> but it was like there's a sentient algae that this ambassador squid. It's the first is, contact. Is able to yeah, it's like a... <laughs> and, I mean, it is a very Star Trek type story. And it's cool to see the monster maroons. It's like, oh, what? Like, period-appropriate Starfleet uniforms in modern Star Trek? That doesn't happen. 
<laughs> Isn't that Professor X's helmet? <laughs> oh yeah, they, they hook up. Uh, they hook up Ambassador Koro to <gasps> Cerebro. Oh my gosh, how cool would it be if like we get another one of his species voiced by Sir Patrick Stewart and they wear those helmets or something like that? Oh you my know, gosh, I, th- I think Patrick Stewart is likely to show up on Lower Decks at some point. I he, think yeah. so too. He, he loves animation. Like he 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 did like a, a bunch of like Family Guy and American Dad yeah, video games too, right? And, yeah. yeah and he, like someone told me at one point, he's like he he watched Beavis and Butthead back in the nineties. He thought that was fun. like he he likes wow. he likes uh cartoons and he's funny. I don't know if you. I keep talking about blunt talk, but it's hilarious. It's like, Which, that, that show it's, needs it's to be streaming, and it, or it needs a Blu-ray release, one or the other. I went ahead and bought it because I couldn't. I couldn't like. Yeah, I, I went ahead and bought it. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray, but it's definitely on streaming. If, I, if I'm paying money for it, I need like a. Uh, I need a physical format of it in some form. True, true. But, I understand, but it's a delightful show. <laughs> what do y'all think of like the Tindy and Rutherford stuff, where he's like not taking things seriously? He's clowning around. He's like going to get snacks and stuff, and but she's more like in character the whole time. It's kind of like if you're playing a, a role playing game, like an RPG or something, and you're trying to be serious, and someone else is like cracking jokes, or if you know you're watching a movie or something, like someone just like keeps talking, making fun of everything. What what y'all think about it? It was extremely relatable because of our Star Trek improv show where <laughs> half of us were like, we're making Star Trek. And yeah, it might be funny occasionally, but we're doing Star Trek. And the other people are like, oh my God, it's, it's just like, you know, they're trying to make it a complete comedy the whole time. And you're just like, we're doing, you know, <laughs> like, so afterwards you have notes like, you know, like, but it's a comedy. Like, it's not a, a comedy. It wasn't meant to be that. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, I can totally see. So you were the Tindy. Yeah. Yep. Oh, totally. Uh-huh. I was somewhere in between because, like, on first viewing, I was really vibing with Rutherford because I was having fun. And I was like, this is fun. You know, it's it's totally, uh, you know, huge and big and just unbelievable. And, like, you know, so I would I would probably have been like him. But, like, upon further watching, I was like, and especially when you find out why Tendi's kind of, like, you know, taking it so seriously. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, yeah, Rutherford, maybe you should have checked in earlier. <laughs> you know, like... Like, cause he does, he does figure it out as soon as she has, like, she admits it, they, they have a moment where they like realize that they weren't on the same mm-hmm. page. And then when they are on the same page, he's like, perfect. He's a great friend. And, you know, he stands in line and he's like, salutes her. And he says, you're going to make him a great captain. And it, it was like an awesome, you know, kind of moment. But yeah, I was like, yeah, Rutherford, you should have checked in a little earlier. <laughs> I like when he was, he was trying to, to where they beat up the punks in Australia and he's trying to take like their clothes. It's very, very Terminator 1984. In fact, they're actually, they're in the year 82. I know that's when Wrath of Khan came out, but I was like, man, that's like really yeah. close to Wrath of Khan would have been playing in theaters July 15th, 82. Cause I think it came out in June, not a June release. Is this the first appearance of Sydney in Star Trek? I think it no. might be. I, we haven't gotten much yeah. Australia. Like there's no like Australian <laughs> Starfleet officers. We hear about like, the penal colonies. I feel that's like that's in right? New Zealand. Oh, don't, New Zealand. Don't, that's don't right. That's right. Get Australia, New Zealand confused. Like that, that'll <laughs> piss off New Sydney, I think. So. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, Ambassador Koro's octopus ancestor was on display in this Australian <laughs> aquarium. So they have to travel back in time to Earth in the eight. And it's like a, it is a plot from like a a bad Star Trek movie. <laughs> you know, they're they're doing like the first <laughs> contact thing or the Star Trek four. I guess it combines. It's kind of like the board going back in time to sabotage the present. That's what the Romulans are doing, but they're going back to the eighties. Right. So it's kind of like Star Trek four, but yeah, more that, that movie vibe. And you know, the more I'm thinking about it and, and talking about it with you guys, I feel like this should have been a movie. <laughs> 
think this has a good a story for a Star Trek movie. <laughs> like, let's do it. Come on. Sydney was <laughs> uh, seen from space in um, Star Trek First Contact. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, springtime in the audience says, will we see a USS Kitty Hawk? It's a bit surprising we haven't oh. seen... Uh, one in Star Trek before. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That yeah. should be a ship, at least in the background or on like a uh, display at a Starbase. Like it something. probably is. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at the uh, the the shot of uh, the Federation building from Star Trek Four because it was reused in TNG a, f- a few times. But uh, I I wouldn't have thought that was like the building that they're signing the the Federation Charter or whatever in. From. Yeah. It, it, maybe it's not. Maybe this is just like Boimler taking like creative license. But yeah, we. We see the same holographic recreation that we saw in the final episode of Enterprise <laughs> with Troy and Riker. But... We've never, ever literally seen this. It's right. It's all been recreation. <laughs> it was fun seeing some people walk around in, like, the, the NX uniforms, like the, the Enterprise jumpsuits. But they're yeah, all, like, so yeah. tiny. You just see them, like, in the in the distant background. It, the it only time nice we've to, ever like... seen it was when Shax had that... Or when there was that, we saw all the different versions of him or whatever. Yeah, when, and was it when Rutherford, uh, yeah, Rutherford, yeah, Rutherford was freaking out, imagining like the, the Shaq's resurrection story uh, until he until he found out what it actually was with the Black Mountain. Yeah. You guys have both played Star Trek Online, right? I yes. weirdly worked on Star Trek Online, but I've never played it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> can you? I guess, Father, can you go to that compound like on? Like in Starfleet I'm, headquarters, I'm calling it I'm compound. Very, like I don't know what it is. I'm but, very, very like, can you go to confident school? that you cannot. No, you can oh, go you to the can't? academy. You yeah. can go to Earth. Space that would be across Star. the river. I don't think you or no. across the river, across the the bay, across the bay, in Alameda. No, actually, the rivers of Alameda. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you can't go there? No, I don't think so. Oh, you can go to the academy and you can go to Earth Space Dog. I think that's all you can do on Earth. Really? That's interesting. They need to build Earth. I want to hang out in Earth. I want to go to Cisco's. Yeah. It's just a thing where you just Make walk around show. and talk. And just like chat with friends. If uh, Star Trek Online gives us more Earth, I'll buy a PC and get on Star Trek Online sooner. But I do plan to get on it anyways. I'm dying to get on it. Like like PS4 on. or Xbox. That, that's what I worked yeah, on. I'm, I worked trying, on the, I'm trying to get my PS5. Yeah. I worked on the translation <laughs> of the interface from uh, desktop to uh, console. Oh, right on. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. There's another one of your talents I didn't know. About. Well, it's interface, <laughs> not really like gaming per se, but actually, that's I, I'm still my friends in the other room cool. hooking up like uh, a Switch and a PS4, so I'm gonna try and play the uh, the Supernova game. And I'm I was getting excited for for Resurgence, and then it's like, oh, it's delayed. But that's actually a good thing. Yeah, it's nice that we actually have some news on that. The, the Star Trek yeah. Resurgence game that was supposed to come out in spring of this year is now coming out in spring of next year. But they April, April or May? They they gave like April. a firm date, as I recall. I'm wondering if it's going to come out like in conjunction with Mission Seattle. Oh, neat. Oh yeah, yeah. That's in May as well. Oh, May 28th. I feel yeah. like, oh. but yeah, I might be not birthday. remembering that. That's cool. Yeah, and it'll, it'll be nice weather, like uh, Washington in, in late May. That should be a lot better than Chicago in early April. <laughs> uh, Seattle is wonderful that time of year. Yep, May 26th fact, through 28th. This, okay. Like the 28th. Really summer, like beautiful time, time in Seattle starts right at like around June, like right after 4th of July, actually, is when it just gets like perfect. So, and and oh, we should go sailing on Lake Union if you go. Uh, you know, we'll protect you. We'll keep you in a bubble or something. <laughs> I was born in Bellevue, so I was like, I live up there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, oh, that's right. That's right. We it's were on perfect. the okay. you know the floating bridge that sunk. 
we were on that like a half hour before it sank. We we, oh my uh, we were going up and we we're going to a big sale at REI. <laughs> so we went to their their big oh, wow. central store. We're like, I know like which REI you're talking yeah. about. I love that REI. <laughs> It's like the That's storm amazing. is chasing us and we're like, okay, so we, we kind of got in there and got our stuff and like then we kind of it kind of turned around and went followed us back the other direction and so we, we got out just in time and then we heard on the radio that uh, it had, had gone under. We're just like, well, I'm no, glad I'm, we weren't there. <laughs> you've convinced me I have to do like a two week vacation in Seattle. I miss Seattle, so yes. <laughs> Anyways, anyway. sorry Father, yeah. I derailed your program again. Uh, I'm I'm used to it at this point. It's the Starfleet boy, uh, you know, like a vacation channel. <laughs> just to pivot back to the to the show what <laughs> the show <laughs> what did y'all think of uh i guess starfleet boy you you talked about it a little bit but like the, the reveal of like tindy her uh the reason why she was taking things so seriously like wanting to be a captain someday i i i, I didn't know if this was uh if this was a choice i particularly liked because i i felt like we were still getting to see her on like the the course to become a science officer and i kind of wanted to explore that a little bit more before it's like oh actually i want to be a captain though i have always in my headcanon wondered if you can't be a division in a division other than command but also have a command division like certification so that maybe you could still be a scientist like leading a science vessel you for can. example which we know well, are out Janeway, there you can basically. right yeah janeway did that we saw that in uh, yeah. aaron's favorite short trek uh, the trouble with edward <laughs> We saw Scotty be a captain of engineering. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, so like, but but also, I guess we see uh, Dr. Crusher is commanding a ship, right? The Pasteur. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Another good Tendi, example. Tendi could stay in medical and maybe command a medical, you know, vessel or something like that. Even in the animated series, they had the, the USS Ares that had, like, the captain was a science person. So it's like... Did, did he wear the blue? No, he... Well, he wore... He wore gold, but the te- the the emblem had the science uh, on it, so it was interesting. Oh, rad. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if they just did that because they didn't know better or they didn't have any more information than that. But yeah, it'd be cool to see a. Well, I don't know. It might be cool to see a a blue commander, a, a, a blue captain. shirt, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a blue ship. shirt. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. just hope that at some point they say they have Tindy say like I st- I still want to be a science officer. That's still like that's the route. Right. Uh, basically, I'm going to take like the Spock route or the Janeway route to captainhood, right? Cap- captaincy. She strikes me as somebody who could do both because she's so like focused and and sure, yeah. And that's like cool how like her like her embracing that what she thought of as like you know I guess she was embarrassed of her Orion side, but she does have those skills of like captaining and like pirating yeah, doing and badass yeah. pirate <laughs> shit. Which I yeah, it's love. true. So. <laughs> so I definitely want to see more of that. That's another thing that they're setting up for the future. I think that we're going to see. Tendi's Orion family at some point. Yeah. Oh, uh, that would be neat if Tendi shows up in live action. Like if we get, I mean, it won't. Noel Wells card, painted like green tw- yeah. as a captain of a ship, <laughs> and whatever this twenty yes, fifth century amazing. show starring uh, oh, Raffi yeah. and Seven, they run into Captain yep. Captain Devana Tendi. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love to see that. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, our live audience, Jill forty seven, is saying R I P Tiana, and like I thought that death, that was like a good movie death, like the slow dramatic yeah. disintegration, and like the you know T- uh, uh, Tindy being like you'll be okay, and then Tiana being like don't bullshit a bullshitter, like the, what what good like <laughs> final words for the like this uh, this character, yeah, it's like stuff like that, like if this would have happened in like the second or third episode of the show, like I don't think we would have felt much, but now that like we've gotten to know Doctor Tiana over the years, you're like oh yeah that I mean it is kind of corny and melodramatic, but that is like a good death for her character. Yeah. And then Rutherford undercutting yeah, it, nice. it. Like 
Ooh, man, you smell that? It smells like fried Romulan up in here. <laughs> it was hilarious. I laughed so much, but I also then went, I felt guilty immediately because I knew, I was like, oh, Rutherford, like, like what are you doing? It, are it, you was doing? The, it was the scroll that broke the camel's back. I would say, yeah, you could tell that's when <laughs> it would be like, okay, that's it. She's going to lose it now. <laughs> Has everyone this season in our Lower Deckers had a chance to kind of vent and go, go off? I feel like we have seen a little bit of that, and I think it's great. Like, it, it feels like a neat, kind of thing to explore for these characters yeah and they're they're being pushed in interesting and dramatic ways uh we we, we see yeah, some of that with true. uh with boimler definitely and, and with mariner a little bit in the episode but yeah like tindy solves the the a story of the movie by doing the bill and ted thing and it's like oh we'll just we have time travel <laughs> we'll just go go back in time and set everything up and swap out the bomb for the uh the chronogami and and blow up Blow up the Romulan triplets like the Duras sisters and Star Trek Generations. <laughs> Which oh, that's another one. Like Star Star Trek Generations, they had a uh, Kirk and Picard go back in time and like replay part of the movie again. That's so right. It's like the same thing here. Oh yeah, that's right. This has a very like Star Trek four, five, and Generations sort of glued together. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an amalgam of the movies. But yeah. I don't I don't know. Do y'all have any any other thoughts on the the Tindy and Rutherford? movie stuff uh, before we talk about Mariner and Boims and Kitia. I like the programmed versions of the uh, bridge crew uh, a lot in this. Like, I thought they were all very funny. Well, let's get into the uh, Alastor stuff with uh, Knickknack and the uh, the literal yeah. backstory of, <laughs> of how to get to uh, Kitiha. Kitiha. <laughs> which, uh, you know, Boimler kind of came up with this idea on the fly in the holodeck when yeah, all these all these programs they claim like, oh, I have the uh, you know the the meaning of life in the universe. You know, my God can show you the way. So he's like, well, wait a minute, what what would the computer actually come up he- with here? You know, maybe I should go off course and and pursue this and see what it see what it stirs up. Mariner, of course, has no idea. Like, hey, th- like your objective for the video game is like way off over there. Why are we like this? Isn't even a side quest. This is just like random made up stuff like what are we doing here you're wasting my time and and they're they're feud about like oh the the purity of the vindictiverse and like this character is too stupid to be in the vindictiverse <laughs> knickknack or knapsack or whatever <laughs> that whole that whole debate over uh, uh i guess like knack. <laughs> what, what should and shouldn't be canon in the vindictiverse see this a canon conversation that i don't know where they would have got that. Not from. only that, she's protecting her uh, intellectual property too. <laughs> Although Voimler's right, he did actually he, he did actually create the program. She's reacting <laughs> like uh, Gene Roddenberry when he saw the script for Star Trek Two or Six <laughs> or Five. Oh my gosh, that's great! <laughs> that's hilarious. That, that is. This that was scene, one of the yes. best gags: the the letterbox stepping out yeah, of the letterbox. Like, which that. I'm not really sure, like how that works from like our yeah, characters' perspectives like, in universe. Yeah, but exactly. I guess the idea of like anamorphic widescreen like still exists in the 24th century, and so like if you're trying to recreate a movie, maybe it's just like visually it's just represented by like your point of view is just like a different aspect ratio than normal. I don't know. It seems it seems weird to me, but it's a funny visual gag. It, it could be that the <laughs> that the holodeck has to reconfigure itself to make you feel like you're in that perspective. And so what you're seeing there is part of the illusion that it creates. And so you still have to like, so it creates these actual like physical panels, but to you while you're in it, it feels like you're in that environment. Like somehow things feel wider and more pic- motion picturesque. I made that up. That's techno. <laughs> I... <laughs> well, it comes down to that whole idea of like, if you have two people at different parts of the holodeck, how does it, 
you know, reconciles it, yeah. things. So I know, just that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Brilliant. We solved it. <laughs> but the way that they're they're debating over like what they should do in their in their holodeck movies, like, you know, I want it to have a commentary on like the the human experience and no i want it to be like more like action adventure and this is an uneven slog that totally ignores the success of the original and it's, yeah it sounded like fans talking about star trek so well at least it's not it's a it. current uh timeline a cinematic timeline we get the same uh same characters but younger <laughs> actors play yeah <laughs> scientifically that'd be a bit of a stretch yeah, that's a bit of a reach. Star <laughs> Star Trek three and Star Trek five used to get so much dumping on before. I don't Twitter. know if Star Trek three <laughs> ever got like a ton, but the motion picture in Star Trek five both definitely did. I feel like TMP is lessened, but I don't think Star yeah. Trek five still is like. Oh yeah, sorry, TMP got a yeah. lot of yeah the the snoozy film yeah. and all that kind the of motion stuff. Motionless yeah, picture. Yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. and I guess there, that's where that odd number thing kind of like. Even, only yeah. even numbered Star Trek films. There's a there, there used to be a thing that no longer applies. Thank goodness. Yeah, I, I mean think. Star Trek Nemesis <laughs> broke that from being applicable. And I think uh, over time, many people have softened their hearts to the ones like Star Trek: The Motion Picture. A lot of people now regard it as like a masterpiece. It's, it's definitely you know, so. had the biggest upswing. Uh, Star Trek Three, which is I'm, I know I'm weird. That happens to be my favorite Star Trek movie of all time. But I think it's easy for it to not shine when it's sandwiched in between the wrath of khan and the voyage home arguably the two most popular movies does that make uh star trek 5 the melting ice cream on top um i think star, star trek 5 <laughs> is like there's like some nice things about it but like it's definitely ruined it's definitely been like overcooked or something so it's uh it's like that that was like the one the one topping or whatever like it didn't turn out quite right but it had potential <laughs> star trek 5 sprinkles there you go <laughs> I've, I've I talked a lot about like my my reaction to uh, the the big reveal in this episode the the William Boimler death but uh, what did y'all think when y'all saw Mariner have that that meeting with Ransom? I guess the first time around I was like whoa <laughs> you know like I was like really surprised and I was like I I guess I had Mariner's reaction yeah, the, the silly much, show you know? got serious all of a sudden yeah 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 exactly and then watching it again it was just kind of cool to it had a, it still had an impact different of course, but it was kind of cool to watch uh, Boimler and for the show to deliver that. Like, now you're back scrutinizing, like, how's he be behaving? And so now, and it made me feel more for Boimler. I got choked up, like, and it kind of solidified, like, you know, we all relate to certain characters. And what I love about Lower Decks is that parts of me wants to relate to all of them. Like, I want to be like Tendi and I want to be like Rutherford and Mariner and Boimler. But in this episode, the way that he handles the situation, the kind of way that, you know, it all goes about like his meltdown at the end, like that really felt like something that was very familiar to me. Uh, you know, just from like my friends who are like you guys, you know, like I've seen that, <laughs> you know, and, and myself. So Boimler, I was really feeling Boimler. And so this, this made me really kind of like, yeah, this episode endeared me to him a lot more in ways that I hadn't before. And, and, and so this moment was crazy, but then the episode does something awesome. And then you find out, Oh, all of that, grief at least for the audience was for nothing because he's not dead <laughs> yeah I, I really appreciated that because i i thought like wow that is very shocking i didn't see that coming that william boimler is dead that was definitely like a, a a bit of a gut punch but 
man, it seems like they uh, they really didn't do much with that character. Like, is that is that a, a waste just to use him up for like this this big surprise here? And then I, you know, we get that an additional twist at the end, and I was like, oh, what? No, this is actually really interesting. Whatever they whatever they they got planned, yeah. whatever they're doing. So, yeah, worked out pretty perfect. But uh, Aaron, what do you think about it? Well, one of the things I also liked about this scene was the little bit between uh, Ransom and Mariner about her performance and how it's like, oh, you know, you're doing really well. And she's just like, she's like, thanks. It was like a, a really heartfelt, actual, not snarky Mariner thanks. So she's like, that, yeah. that was kind of nice that we got a little bit of a lead in for everything happened. But you're like, oh, okay, she's actually doing better. I mean, we, we, we get a lot of information in this episode and that's interesting that we got that as well. That's cool. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And and that's how shocking that moment is. Yeah. <laughs> you're like <laughs> That's cool. And yeah. The, and wow, the fact that's that neat. it was that that happened and it, after that she didn't even think about herself, which is not right. something season 1 Mariner would have yeah. done. She would be would like, have yeah, done. Tell yeah, me more right. about me. That's very cool. Like, like the like the, the sad that. Mariner like that where where she's being empathetic yeah. and and sad for someone. Else. I mean, she's always had like a bit of a compassionate side. You know, like when she was like did like the fake mugging from the Ferengi to make Boimler feel right. better. But like we've, we've never seen her like quite like this level of, you know, she has like a, a like a degree of guilt. Like, Oh my God, I was making fun of him the whole time and I was yelling at him. Yeah. And like, wow. He's like dealing with like the very unusual, like death of someone close to him. And, I loved the gag with with Ransom though when he like shows like the picture of him and his bros, his friends, uh, Nurse Westlake, Honus the bartender, and and Matt the whale, all established characters. Uh, however, the best part of it, if if you're familiar with the show and keep up with it and know like the history of the show and the characters and everything, it is hilarious that Stevens is not included in there. Like, think how heartbroken he would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice uh, last night when we were talking about it. I, I was guessing that Stevens might have taken the picture, but it's clearly a selfie. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> you know, like, and 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 the other thing that's cool is like Aaron to build on top of what you were saying. Like, he's warmed up to Mariner here. He's like kind of like nice to her, you know. And I know it's because also there was like a tragic thing happening, so it shows this like nice human side of Ransom, uh, you know, because he's kind of a hard ass. Well, it feels like <laughs> the, the the Starfleet. Uh career day whatever that was whatever they were doing the right. booth i kind of feel like he got more of a you know appreciation for her after that because she was the one who was was calm through the whole thing where <laughs> boimler was like flipping out so yeah you know she goes back into the program and finds out oh things actually like went to shit when i left uh boimler <laughs> got himself captured his his uh crew mutinied against him uh, but you know they, they have a cool like heart to heart acolyte moment, one but... and acolyte two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't your, your characters don't even have names. Like keep get your hands off of me. But uh, Nick Knack does the Star Trek Five uh, Scotty jailbreak. That was hilarious. And the, oh, <laughs> the, the, the whole like uh, uh, I love you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you too, buddy. Like hey, there's well, your well, cinematic there's romance. romance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I I love the expression on Mariner's face though in that seem like it's a very like complex thing to process what he just what's just going on right now and so because it was for me too and so she's just like okay great <laughs> you know like <laughs> but she gives him a compliment here which i really love yeah. this this was pretty cool <laughs> the, the, the doing doing the kirk thing we're like oh we're just gonna run here and punch people he's you know one punch kirk you just you just hit him one time and they, they pass this out. is not even knickknack's final form oh his uh third act knickknack reveal <laughs> Starfleet boy, you can't use that joke. You don't. You've never watched Dragon Ball Z. 
I have not. It's true. Uh, you shamed me. <laughs> it's not a me. It's not like public enough that you don't even have to know the source material. You still have to know it to say to use it. Damn. No, you don't. I'm not gonna gatekeep. I'm not gonna. You, you can you can use it. I I did like I did like the knickknack Hulk out moment though. Uh, yeah. With the the multiple arms and. I would love, I would love if they go into the holodeck and meet Knickknack again. I think if they're ever like having to deal that with Badgie cool. on the holodeck, oh. like you bring in Knickknack to like fight off Badgie. That's, that's what oh, I want to yeah. see. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> oh, real quick, you saw that freeze frame reminding me of way back in the beginning when he cuts off Freeman. They do a really good job of freeze making a freeze frame look like it got stuck on a really bad frame of a video. It's like, you know, it's just, just like her face is all distorted. I was like, I, I always yeah. love how they 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 get freeze frames right when they're meant to be funny. So anyway, sorry. I I appreciated the like all the little film qualities too, like the yeah. graininess and all that. Yeah, that was really. Neat. It's like it makes me nostalgic for like watching movies before everything like went digital and and you would see that you know. Right. That's why it's nice to have these like. <laughs> yeah. This is... <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, we're laughing at the the saggy skin and and his undergarments yes. are those that was they, they that was very in. ridiculous. <laughs> but he's a monk. That's like what a yeah, monk yeah, type person would wear. Yeah. Like it's like it's correct. <laughs> the, the, the the reveal of the of the map and how you have to fold the skin in like a like the back page in Mad Magazine. <laughs> Also, I just—it's so gross, but it's funny. It's like—it's like that kind of humor where you're wincing, but you're laughing at the same time. Yeah, like time. the, the gross out like, humor. Oh. Yeah, I think uh, Aaron Walkie said said it the ba- the somewhere between bathos and pathos. Like you know, it's like kind of a a, a happy place that like Lord X plays a lot with. And, yeah, and it's great. That is what he said. I've never heard that uh, that phrase before. I'm like, oh, I should write that down. I had to look it. it up. He's so smart, Aaron. <laughs> all these people, all these writers, all you people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Star, Star Trek prodigy uh, writer uh, Aaron Walke, who, uh, if, if you don't know, Starfleet yeah. Boy does these uh, Twitter spaces on Thursday nights, and sometimes uh, people like uh, Star Trek prodigy writer Aaron Walke will show up to them. <laughs> but but sometimes Tech Trek shows up, which is cool, and Aaron showed up, I think, in the past. So yeah, it's like it's a weird, it's a wild place. I always I always <laughs> show up so I can I can hear whatever you're saying that's like incorrect or like mispronounced or whatever, and then I can Thank chime you. in and be like if. If you want to hear the correct version, <laughs> then check out Text Track tomorrow. So it's like it's it's good. I'm it's so good, fortunate. Good promotional every, material for me. Every every week, uh, Starfleet Boy. Uh, let's just say Starfleet Boy's had a few concussions in his life. So uh, every week, it's wonderful when there's like a expert person in the audience who just like who's like oh i'll help him out he sounds like he needs it so, <laughs> so this week it was aaron <laughs> and most th- most times it's ken so shout out to ken uh and also stan there's a lot of there's a lot of knowledgeable knowledgeable folks uh that show up trev and yeah lots of folks with lots of information or fast fingers on yes yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great crowd over there I guess we need to talk about the the big ending where they meet the uh, the the rock man the the god of uh, the Kitiha <laughs> Shadanari yeah, uh, yeah Kitiha yeah. and we we finally get Star our Trek answers five rock monster <laughs> they're all incredibly <laughs> underwhelming the uh, you know the, the purpose of life and it's saying things like uh, the, the purpose of life is quote a, generator is a purpose yeah yeah <laughs> was this how the Star Trek five rock people were supposed to be realized no, not, not this exactly. like a direct not, oh, not okay. this big they're supposed to be yeah. like you know man sized creatures but. Uh, yeah, this is like a giant. But I think god. they did have like the glowing 
right? That was glowing the glowing eyes, eyes and mouth and, and, mouth and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and oh, those cool. characters have shown up in Lower Decks. Uh, the first time we saw them was in the second episode oh, on right. was they were in that bar in, in Doria Town. So oh, right. they, they, they do exist the in the Star Trek canon. Up. And you can actually, now <laughs> right. if you get Star Trek V on 4K Blu-ray, you can see one of them. Uh, because the HDR fixed the uh, the the lighting for one of the explosions, and you can actually uh, for a split second you can see the the rock man. That's interesting. <gasps> you can also now see like the 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 cable that pulls Shatner back really easily too. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, Is there's that an explosion? Oh right? man! Like there's like a harness and stuff, and like okay, well that doesn't look good. Oh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe they'll do a remaster director's cut. Yeah, it's like you think of like, those kind of things that you could easily fix when you're just doing it. For it's like, okay, you've upscaled it. Now spend just a tiny bit more money to fix the things that were never meant to be seen. Right. Mm. I would do it for free if I had the skills. No, I'm just kidding. You should get paid for work. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. That's, that's why it hasn't happened. <laughs> right. And it is expensive, as we as we've been told. The frustrated Boimler having his having his meltdown at, at Kitia when he's like so disappointed in the reveal. I thought that was pretty funny. It doesn't but... make any sense. My movie is trash. <laughs> when we got the the payoff from that of like going to the Idaho <laughs> farm and, yes. and thinking like, oh my god, we're about to have William Shatner return for the first time since 1994. He will be in Star Trek again. <laughs> yeah, we almost got him on Enterprise. It's... Guess we're gonna get him here on Lower Decks, but no, it's gonna be nope. George Takei as Sulu, which I was also very happy to see. I thought that was a hilarious joke, and I think it was very easy to get George Takei to uh, agree to cameo on Lower Decks if you pitched it to him. Like, so we're gonna do like the setup where one of our characters is about to meet Kirk, <laughs> and then right when we think we're about to hear William Shatner's voice, it's actually your voice, and our character meets Sulu, and Sulu is like, yes, you're, <laughs> you're meeting me instead of Kirk, because of that I don't know, that guy's off being weird or something, but let me be the guy to have like the big special moment with you, the main character <laughs> of the show. And George Takei would hear that and be like, oh my, I would love to undercut Bill Shatner. Sign me up. <laughs> I do love how they got the oh my in there without being like over the top. It's just oh yeah. my no. He's like or whatever. <laughs> Captain Kirk, oh my no. Yeah. But George is decay, like he is obviously like getting on up there in years right now. Like I, I, I see him at conventions all the time. He's still very active, but he, he's definitely like showing his age and you know, like he's he, he he seems to, you know, be a little slower and like like less energy and you know, he's still uh, you know, pretty sharp mentally, but he definitely like you know, he just like sounds like he's like getting older and stuff, but uh, he can still act. Like he was, he put like a lot of a lot of emotion and stuff in like his his delivery when he's supposed to have like this this big moment here. And I was like, oh wow, like I'm so glad I got like a actual like serious moment with Captain Sulu, even though this is all I assume in Boimler's uh, dehydrated imagination. <laughs> but the, the the actual line from him, uh, Brad, I've lost many friends, some heroically, some tragically. The randomness of death is a mere reflection of the unexpected joys we find in life. And I, yeah, I was like, oh, wow, that was a, that was a cool, you know, payoff for like this whole like random ass episode with all this weird shit. It actually uh, was building up to something. And I liked that. I just thought of Nichelle Nichols when that happened. It was just sort of like, because uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> it was cool. obviously yeah. made before that, but it was just yeah. like, okay, that's yeah. something that's fairly fresh. You got me choked up, father. Yeah, I can't talk. Which is probably well, a good thing. The horsey's so. going to bite you now, Starfleet boy. <laughs> the horsey's going to bite you now. <laughs> but uh, I guess I want to add that like it's so cool to have uh, performers. It must be wonderful for these performers, for Jack Quaid. Uh, like George Takei kind of comes from like a, a version of, you know, entertainment 
and Hollywood that, you know, is so different from what it is today, you know? And uh, I think it's cool. I, I guess he was, he, he's got a lot of stories to tell and he tells them he's wonderful. Um, I'm so glad we saw him in Mission Chicago. That was pretty cool. And he went up and talked and he talked about his experiences. I love that he's like an activist and he's not afraid to talk about like, you know, how fascism is kind of spreading around and like, you know, on the rise. So I, I, I love George Takei. And when Boimler gets excited and he's like, Oh, Sulu even better. I was like, yeah, that's, that's good. That's fine. <laughs> I don't mind being faked out. I still would like to see Shatner in, in Star Trek again at some point. I a hundred percent would like it too. It's I mean, true. I'm fine if it Me never too, happens. Shatner had generations, <laughs> but I would love it. I would love it. I would love for him to come back. And he, I think he will for the right thing. I, he's going to do the director's do it, cut though. of Star think, Trek five. I think he might, be, well, that, that'll never happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, like like no no one's gonna invest money into like redoing the the least profitable star trek movie ever i know two people including myself that would give like 10 bucks to a like a like a patreon it's like i a few years ago had my storage unit broken into and i lost like tons of stuff star trek you know they whoever got the stuff who stole my things knew also about star trek 5 and the because Everything was taken out in the middle of the storage unit was a Star Trek V cup that was just left. And they had to have gotten into the box and into the bottom of the stuff to see what was there to take that out. <laughs> so even like thieves do not like Star Trek yeah, V. They're like, that, no, I'm not going to take this. I hate that that happened to you, but I mean. It's it's the only funny thing about this. <laughs> yeah, This is like such a dick move. Like uh, not only am I go- going to rob from you, but in addition, like I'm going to insult you by leaving the Star Trek V thing behind. Yeah. I could have had my Mego characters. That would have been better. <laughs> that was the that was the universe. Ugh. That was the universe telling you give Star Trek Five another chance. I know exactly what cup. I think ex- I think I know exactly what cup that is. By the way, I might have it. Pl- plastic well. red cup. <laughs> yes, yep. I think so. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, I was just curious because, like, yeah, I knew the rock creatures were in Star Trek yep. Five, so that was pretty awesome. Well, they that. they never shot all of that stuff. They they uh, they gave right. up on it. A test film, right? Yeah, like... right. But I I think Shatner is like enough of a jerk that he might be like, no, yeah, I'm not gonna do like a little cameo. You gotta pay, you gotta pay me, uh, pay me to to <laughs> not not to scale. What do you call that? Like if someone like I need like this flat rate for any appearance. I don't care if it's like one day's worth of work. I still need X amount of money. Is that for scale? Uh, like, is that what it's called? Or yeah. Pay or play? I don't know. I think, uh, well, well, I have a question for you guys, actually. So we got Riker paired up with Mariner. Now we have, like, Captain Sulu paired up with Boimler. What cameos would you like to see? I think Gates McFadden and Dr. Crusher is an obvious one for Tendi. Like, I would like Those to see Those characters that. don't seem to have much at all in common to me other than, like, they're both medical. Like, they seem pretty different. I, I think Esri. I think Esri, Esri, Esri would, would be, be more cool. for yeah, Tendi, true. I think. Than, that would be than Crusher. Rutherford would be Geordi, like, you know, the cy- cybernetic yeah. engineer, right? <laughs> I agree. I concur. <laughs> and Dr. Teana and Pulaski. <laughs> oh, whoever brings Diana Mulder back to Star Trek apparently is heroic. That's not going to happen either. We'll, we'll, get, we'll no. get Shatner on Lower Decks for a whole season. Before... <laughs> he'll, he'll be a regular in every episode before we get, before. Before we get Pulaski back. Wow. Wowzers. All right. <laughs> but, but just the, the end of the episode, I like that, you know, they, they kind of end on a positive note. Tindy and Rutherford tell Boimler, oh, your movie was fun as hell. We had a great time. And the whole gag of like, 
Well, at least it didn't end on a cliffhanger. I hate things that don't have like a proper ending. Then we get our cl- cliffhanger with William Boimler lives on a defiant class ship and is recruited into Section 31 and his death was fake. And we have this hilarious joke about it's really dumb for Section 31 to have these black badges. <laughs> Uh, that's a great by the moment. by the way i'm i'm convinced this is not the defiant because the yeah. defiant that had a cloaking device got blown up in the dominion war and then they they got a different defiant at deep deep space nine uh, which i thought was always kind of a dumb move like oh you blow up your ship no consequences of that we'll just give you a new one that's identical in every way but it doesn't have the cloaking device uh, so I think this is actually like a different Defiant, or maybe this is like a copy of the original or something like that, because uh, this one does cloak, which is not normal for Starfleet, but I guess Section 31, 31 doesn't care. Didn't they have a cloaking device already in like the 23rd century or whatever? Like, they had something similar the... to a cloak in, in Disco Season Discovery, 2. It was, yeah. it was more like, like camouflage. Like, it just like changed okay. like the color of the ship. It didn't Got look it. like it didn't go actually like invisible. Okay. Would the treaty of... The treaty was with the Romulans, right? Yeah. Or was that with the Klingons for the cloaking? No, it's with the the Romulans. That's the 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 deep space nut or the defiant cloaking device was like a gift from the Romulans, and they're like, you can use this, but only in the Gamma Quadrant because we want you to go spy on the Dominion for us. <laughs> when the Romulan government collapsed, though, that hasn't that happened be yet. Dissolved, that hasn't happened yet in in the universe. Uh... That's a good oh, question okay. for uh, the the Picard writers to figure out. But, well, yeah. there's cloaking. There's cloaking in the 32nd century because it's Navarre. So yeah, every, that. Discovery like, can cloak. Everyone, everyone yeah, can cloak. cloak everyone cloaks in. Dis- yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh, interesting. Probably makes sense with uh, the whole Romulan thing. You'd uh, want to revisit all of your treaties and everything at that point. Uh, yeah, that was that's part of the that's part of the, uh, the the Treaty of Algeron. Yeah, the the episode ends on on William Boimler giving an evil laugh. So I don't, is has he actually like gone yeah. to the dark side or is I've I heard one theory like maybe he's like undercover for Captain Riker trying to infiltrate Section uh, That's that's it. And he's going to come across <laughs> uh William Riker <laughs> probably. That's like I'm almost positive for some reason that he's going to meet the other transporter clone. Mm. He was in jail, right? Yeah, I would love to know what happened to Thomas Riker. Last yeah, Thomas we saw Riker, of him, sorry. he was <laughs> yeah, Thomas. He was yeah. imprisoned by the Cardassians. Uh, oh my gosh! And, you know, we don't know what happened like during the Dominion War. We don't know if he if he lived, if he was killed, or what. Yeah, maybe he escaped. Is this a Thomas Riker kidnapping mission to to bring William and Thomas head to head and and to resolve things once mm. and for all? Yeah, be, I, don't I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What would Counselor Troy? What would Deanna think? Ooh. Would oh, they use the the, the little Horgon? Would they would they use the little Horgon or the bad Riker should be born around this time? <laughs> that's why I say like I think that when they when they brought out the Horgon that one it was like that's when bad was was conceived on whatever that on trip little, was. On yeah. little Riser. Wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's it. So that's if we nice. ever see Troy again in in Lower Decks, she might have like baby bad with her. Oh yeah, that's cool. Do you have any other thoughts on this episode? Uh, no, it was so much fun talking about it. Uh, I guess I just want to like just reiterate that Sulu is the biggest, coolest thing I've seen in a long <laughs> yeah. time. So. I was one of those people yeah. who, like, 22 years ago, when we knew Voyager was about to end, I was one of those people who were like, we need a Sulu on the Excelsior show, damn it. Yeah. Uh, instead, we got Enterprise, which killed the franchise for a little bit. But <laughs> I like Enterprise. <laughs> and, I like Inter- and- It's my least favorite Star Trek show, but I still really like it. <laughs> There's live action opportunities for Sulu, too, so who knows? Yeah. I mean, th- that's one thing about, like, if you're a 23rd century character, like uh, the older you get, the 
the more you age, the uh, less prosthetics they'd have to add to you if they were going to like bring you back in the 24th century or something. <laughs> well, and now with animation and stuff, because that's becoming much more yeah. acceptable, it would also, there's, you know, we can have all these people come back and animate it for them that have a voice, you know, and you can, you yeah. can digitally sweeten it I, to make it sound the more. I would I'd love to get, a, get Walter on uh, Lower Decks since he, he wasn't allowed to yeah. be on the first animated Star Trek series. Like, it let him be yeah. in this one. Maybe we'll do it for the 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Of TAS. I heard from Aaron Walkie that uh, in the books, Sulu becomes president. I wouldn't mind hearing about a president Sulu. Yeah, I don't think that happens in universe because Boimler addressed him as Captain Sulu. So I'm thinking like that must be like the highest office he ever held was captain. Ah, okay. Up up till now. But Sulu's death is not on. Right. He might might actually still be alive in in the year 2381. Yeah, so there you go. It's actually very likely considering humans live to be like 150 in this time. Yep. Aaron, you have any final thoughts on this episode? Um, just bring on Crisis Point 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think uh, the, the Crisis Point episodes work, and uh, we need yeah. we need one for Tindy, and we need one for Rutherford. So yeah. uh, we need at least yeah, no, five no. seasons of Lower Decks. Uh, Mike was, says was... he wants to do seven, but at oh, least wow. five. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved every moment of it, and, and just uh, it's got a good replayability, too, or rewatchability. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I think I think it definitely benefits from that. So I would I would encourage people to watch it a second time if you haven't already. In a weird way, it's like a feel good episode. Actually, you want to watch it again because it has like a lot of great moments. Well, I'm just gonna go ahead and go into the Gorn Egg section of the show where I like to Ooh. point out the Easter eggs, in jokes, and continuity connections. I hatch those Join us for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fast. I'm just gonna cover like the uh, I'm gonna, the, the broad stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna just sit back here. I'm, by the way, thanks to Trek on the Tube for uh, keeping it real in the audience. I don't know what he's saying, but he's, he's saying he's a lot. Stirring up shit. That's what he does. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we love uh, we love our, our friend uh, Trek on the Tube. But this episode opens with the attack from the Melpinor sisters. I pointed out they were uh, obviously meant to be an analog of the Duras sisters. And the Romulan ship, very similar, but clearly not a Valdor class. Also the Sovereign class uh, returning originally from Star Trek First Contact. Mariner had a couple funny lines there at the opening. The uh, don't tell me we'll have to go back in time and assassinate Kennedy. That was a reference to a pitch Roddenberry had for a Star Trek movie where uh, Spock would have been the Kennedy assassin. They, they basically have to go back in time and make sure that, like the assassination happens in order to like stop Klingons oh, from wow. breaking time. Yeah. That was um, supposed to be Star Trek 2, but it was titled Star Trek 3. Yeah, because Roddenberry thought Star Trek, <laughs> the original series, was Star Trek 1. one and then yeah. the motion picture was 2. <laughs> two. So. <laughs> this is uh wow <laughs> this was probably around the time where like uh his uh substance abuse and mini strokes might have been kicking in so that might explain some of his creative yeah. choices love eugene but a but a flawed and complicated man the uh europa lab which europa that's where like book is doing community service after discovery season four uh but uh, the, the lab there clearly based on the regular lab from the wrath of khan and we uh talked about the the interior and uh, the Carol Marcus wardrobe, and also the uh, the top secret CGI that is shown. Uh, that, uh, Rutherford wasn't very impressed with the with the graphics. These graphics are mind blowing. We talked about a uh, Tadashore Nine being named after Shaq's voice actor Fred Tadashore, and the uh, the backstory map had a, a few recognizable Star Trek locations. 
Itimishi, I think, is where uh, Cisco and Jake went camping one time, and uh, there's a few other planets on there that have been established before. Uh, the gas that killed William Boimler, Neurocene, that was the gas used to gas Bajorans in uh, the Deep Space Nine episode Civil Defense. The, that's the uh, Attention Bajoran Workers episode. It's been used in a couple different instances, I think. Yeah, that was the, um, the, the origin of it was in uh, yeah. DS9. I love the ship that they... Uh, that, Boimler and Mariner are on in the holodeck, but it's a Talarian freighter. And the reason why I love it is it was first shown in the TNG episode Heart of Glory in, in season one of oh, TNG. Yeah. Uh, that, those uh, those Klingons were, were on it, and, and they, they kind of recreate the, the interior corridor in Lower Decks. But the reason why I love the Talarian freighter is because we, we get introduced to the ship and told it's a Talarian freighter, but we don't actually find out what a Talarian is until the episode suddenly human but that that boy that was raised by these these That's aliens right. the federation was at war with those are the Talarians. so I, I love that like hey we need like a name for these random aliens of the week we're going to create here oh let's oh, bring yeah, back, like, the like, the, yeah. the back the Talarians. the freighter from heart of glory the Talarians. and we'll just That's yeah i cool. love like using the universe in little small ways like that yeah i talked about the uh the star trek 4 mat painting for the uh the federation building I love that. And then the uh, the founding <laughs> of the Federation uh, looks uh, exactly the way it looked in the Enterprise uh, series finale. But more mood These lighting the than it has there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a little, lit a little bit more dramatically for uh, for yes. Lower Decks. And then the Romulan bomb, it looked like the uh, Thaleron radiation deployment device used to assassinate the Senate in Star Trek Nemesis. And the uh, the yep. third moon of Shatinari... Uh, <laughs> that was uh, obviously named after William Shatner, director of Star Trek V, uh, and also featured the the rock monsters and Tiha being the Kitty Hawk. That was a play on V'ger being the Voyager probe. That was the gag that I really Is loved um, a lot. I was, uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the uh, the Idaho Ranch that is from Star Trek Generations. Uh, Boimler is even talking about the the crystal buttons on the Enterprise or Sulu being a sword guy. Can we reflect real quick how like cool it was to get a follow up on this like location, this epic location from like Star Trek? This history is an epic whatever, location. You know, like... It's like very like mundane and normal <laughs> and grounded. No, but I, I imagine like it like Kirk disappeared, right? Like he was killed in action. Like whatever Boimler's subconscious was like showing us may have some interesting like things you can explore further. Uh, like that like they've done like we've seen theme parks it makes yeah. sense that these homes would be museums you know like just like we have abraham lincoln's hmm. residences do you, or, do you know what you know, abraham lincoln's whatever. residence looks like i actually think i do but i don't, I don't know like the cabin I, there's a cabin i don't know i saw it in a history but you know, book it's but actually, what i mean to it's say not it's like, like it's not like identical so it, it makes like boimler probably heard like oh yeah kirk at one point spent a lot of time on his uncle's ranch in idaho and so it's like right because what he imagines doesn't match up identically but it's close but yeah, then the last thing I have is the uh, Section 31 badge, the black badge that makes no sense. Uh, but we first saw that in the Star Trek Discovery episode, Context is for Kings. That's right. And uh, that's all I got. I'm sure like Aaron has like a ton of the little things. I was there, trying to like, think. It's the... like, yeah, I just, and the, the, the font in the beginning is the same yeah, as the... Star Trek 2. Yeah, the, yeah, um, the movie credits. The uh, Oh, movie the uh, the Romulan Bridge. That has some of like, the same graphics that we saw in Star Trek uh, Nemesis. Um, We've got the out-of-place Luna <laughs> class yeah, background. Yeah, the, uh, the Titan for, is on yeah. the, the background on the Wayfarer Bridge. Because they're actually reusing the, the Titan Bridge interiors. Mike McMahon made a, a funny yes, comment about it on Twitter. <laughs> yes, he... 
uh, which he I really said that liked. they're displaying all the ships that Star Trek Picard season three will make uh, n- non canonical. So, yeah. <laughs> not only is not only is Mike a, a big fan of all the uh, the legacy Star Trek, but he, he's definitely keeping up with the discourse on the modern Trek as well. So, <laughs> very very topical joke. Um, but yeah, I don't have I don't have time for subspace transmissions this week. Uh, but uh, a lot of people had a lot of things to say about the peanut hamper. <laughs> I'll, I'll read one. I'll I'll read one from. Uh, yeah, you yeah. should do that. But uh, this was from Loco NY, and she said, "I 100% agree with Fathery, and that's why I picked your comment to be the one that I read." <laughs> Uh, but but she says, I 100% agree with Fathery that not only is this my favorite episode of the season, but it's my favorite of the series. I love the story, but also the almost cinematic quality of the episode. This started almost the way I would imagine a Lower Decks movie would start. And I loved not having any idea where the episode was going at the beginning. And yeah, that's the thing I liked about it. It's like, oh my God, we're starting with Peanut Hamper. What the hell is going to happen next? She's on this other planet. And and yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun for me as well. So uh, I, I want to hear... Local NY, I want to hear what you think about this episode. Because this was actually, I guess not actually, but this was even more closely meant to resemble uh, a movie experience. So, uh, But we'll be back next week to talk about the penultimate episode of Lower Decks Season 3. And then the week after that, we're going to have a big doubleheader with a Lower Decks finale teamed up with a Prodigy mid-season premiere. So that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, as always, that's going to be at 7 p.m. Central on YouTube, or you can listen to us later wherever you get your podcast. Until next time... As always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.